0: The IAB podcast from SNK Studios.
1: Hello and welcome to episode six of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you as always with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're turning the focus towards mental health. Mental health is a priority here at the IAB. Not only did we host a panel at our Leadership Summit back in March on this very topic, but we're also partnered with the mental health charity, Mind. It's all part of our continuing quest to make this industry a healthier, more sustainable place to work. We've brought some great minds together for our expert industry panel and we'll even be quizzing our very own mental health first aiders in the IBUK office before heading over to AppNexus to throw 10 utterly irreverent quickfire questions to none other than Nigel Gilbert, their EMEA chief market strategist. And if you're struggling to understand the new kid on the block, appads.txt then never fear we'll be getting an easy to understand two minute explainer from one of the industry's leading experts so whether you're listening to this on a relaxing mini break or in the middle of a frantic workday, we hope that by the end of this episode you'll feel happier and more positive about how we can all take care of our mental health at work the statistics speak for themselves Three in five people have experienced mental health issues because of work, according to a YouGov survey conducted last year. Here at the IB, we want to play our part in addressing this issue, and that's why on this week's podcast, we're asking how can we change the perception of mental health in the workplace, and what can we do to improve mental health across our industry? Joining me to get into the what's and why's are George Betney, co-founder of Sanctus, and Eva Grimmett, Chief Strategy Officer at Havas Group Media. Thank you very much to both of you for joining us.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, George, for the uninitiated then, uh, what is Sanctus and why did you start it? Um,
3: so Sanctus run a mission to completely change the perception of mental health. Our big vision is to one day put the first mental health gym on the high street because we, we feel like that's the day the perception's changed and people, I suppose, are proudly walking off the high street working on their mental health just like we do our physical health. Yeah. And we've been doing that for just over three years now. And I suppose Sanctus started, me. I, I run Sanctus with my best mate, James. And before this, we quite young dropped out of uni to start a tech company. We started an app at uni quite young and didn't really know what we were doing. And actually, sort of long story short, running that company uh, in the way that we did wasn't good for our own mental health. Mm. I think on the outside, people thought we were smashing it. We yeah. kind of raised a lot of money. I think for this podcast, we, we actually went into more of the av- online advertising world, okay, yeah, yeah. running yeah online ads and yeah, it just wasn't, I think on the outside, again, people thought we were doing really well, but on the inside, we weren't honest about how we were actually feeling with the team, with, with each other and with ourselves. And so it got to a point where we actually ended up stopping running the company after three and a half years. And it just got to the point where we couldn't do it anymore. Wow. And yeah, at that point, our own mental health, we'd never really used those words, sort of came out. Mm. Um, I was just the only way I could describe it, just a shell, just hollow for for a while. And James, James actually had an anxiety attack on the tube wow. and wrote about it and wrote this blog post called Mental Health in Startups. And it just sort of started from there, really. We started talking about our own mental health, what we were going through. And,
1: and did you have people you could you could go to and talk to? Could help? Were you aware of organisations or anyone you could? Not back then.
3: This was 2015, yeah. 2016. So I think our first thought was Google. Literally, let's get on Google. Yeah, Google yeah. what we're feeling. So obviously it was NHS forums, mm. Reddit forums, which you should, you can get lost in. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was just a scary place because we weren't sure where to go. Yeah. And so by talking about it online openly, I think we just had thousands of people. Wow! It's funny, our blog, no one used to read, literally used to get like my mum. I always <laughs> joke, like I was lucky if my mum read it. And this, this post that we did got something like 10,000 hits overnight and it kept kept sort of going. I suppose we realised it wasn't just us feeling that way. And I suppose it's easier. I suppose mm. it seems makes more sense in today, like in 2019, yeah, yeah. even just three years on. But back then, it was quite an exposing thing to do and yeah since then we've been talking about talking about that saying things like you know back then why do we just focus on i suppose the statistic of one in four people suffer with a mental illness throughout their life yeah and why don't we talk about it as four in four people have mental health we all have mental health in this room on this podcast everybody listening and so let's talk about it in that way why isn't there a brand like the nike or the adidas of mental health and fitness yeah why isn't there a gym on the high street and i suppose that's been our mission for the last three years, and, and will be for the next three, and, and beyond
1: that. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, and you've been doing lots uh, around positive workplace well-being at Havas. But tell us a little bit about your journey.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I think well, uh, my journey probably began. Um, well over 20 years ago. At university, um, I suffered uh, with an eating disorder. It was quite bulimic, and that was uh, just a result of a sort of just, yeah, slightly pressurised situation. Mm. Um, uh, And I didn't um, shy away from getting help. I got help. I remember being uh, an outpatient at a mental health unit um, in Aylesbury, back where my parents were living, and just seeing like people that sort of fell into the stereotypical sort of, you know people that really look like they're struggling and people used to say to me in the in the in the in the waiting room Oh, you don't look like you, anything could be wrong with you, and this 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 idea that you know if you have mental health issue you look a different way yeah. to yeah. if you don't. Um, and I think, I mean, I've been aware of um, s- struggling, I think, with a bit of anxiety and depression probably all my adult life. Uh, I think the whole thing about mental health is mental health is positive and negative, and you should mm. celebrate good mental health, and you should make sure that you try and take care and address bad mental health. Um, uh, you know, I know things that I've I've kind of always done a bit of self management. I've been not on antidepressants for for most of that. Um, But kind of life has a funny way I think of bubbling up again and when you don't necessarily expect things to to kind of overflow, they do. And so um, I found myself when would it have been beginning of 2017 having to walk into an A&E and inform them at 4am that I was having a mental health crisis <laughs> which is quite weird but actually I got pregnancy induced um, panic disorder and I used to have like 10 out these 10 hour long kind of oh, panic wow. attacks and all these tremors and this other kind of stuff but it was mm. fine it was linked to you get mood disorders in pregnancy right. uh, my mum was dying of cancer there was lots of things but actually it just kind of brought home that you try and take you take more on you take more on you think you can cope and then everything just gets a bit much Yeah. Um. and that you know that I was put on some medication for that. That kind of went away. But I think all of that has meant that, um, or two things. I think we need to be really open and honest about it, and I always have been. I think my art degree, um, I did art at university. My, my my final sort of piece of work was all was all around my eating disorder. I never hid away from the fact right. that I was suffering mm. from that. And I just think it's really important to kind of be open. And I think I've always been quite open um, to sort of friends and occasional colleagues. But I think it's probably in just the last year or two that it's felt like. We're now in a culture where it's okay yes. to be more open about it more broadly and to yeah. kind of say everyone has days when they struggle. Yeah, uh, Everyone has days, good days. And, you know, just to kind of open up the dialogue around it, I think is really important. Yeah.
1: And that your CSO, a massive agency, global agency network, I worked in an agency for nine years, there's no shortage of pressure points, be that pitching or, you know, that slight master and slave relationship you can have with the not so good clients, you know, the constant need to check emails. Do you, how do you sort of manage all that? And how would you tell others to do the same?
2: Uh, it's really hard actually it's really hard and the pace only seems to get big like faster and faster yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think well I mean it, trying to be open about it all the time so with my team I run the strategy and insight team I'm always with them specifically you know open if they need to leave I've, well, I won't mention there's one person that sometimes gets a bit overwhelmed and that person needs to leave early some days that person also works incredibly hard so yeah, that's okay yeah. and it's about appreciating that you need kind of that space it's really important to take time out um, you know making sure you do actually book regular time off work yeah. and take holidays really really important Yeah, so you have um, to have
1: that time out yeah um, probably our industry is known probably a legacy a bit of a pub culture and all the rest of it you've been off the booze for a bit George <laughs> so how, how are you feeling? I saw
3: this on your questions yeah. I was wondering how you knew it's not to say you've always been no. on the booze
1: but you've taken a break from alcohol I, yeah I just I, I suppose
3: like I've been trying to live uh, over the last few years we've been saying change perception of mental health mm. and I suppose like there's a few things that have happened recently where I've realized, even in my friendship group, it feels like it's changing, but it's not. You know, with the in my, you know, friend's WhatsApp group, for example, we're not that vulnerable. We're not that honest. We don't really talk about our feelings. Like, hmm. um, And so I've just online been trying to just be myself online to the point where if I'm going to stop drinking, I've just sort of said I'm stopping drinking for a bit yeah. just because I fancy it. Yeah and yeah i've just had a huge response to even sm- things that feel small to me people saying oh th- you know i'm so glad you've made this statement um i need someone it needs that i've been feeling first the same way about like, drinking yes. and i haven't been brave enough to, to say i'm gonna stop mm. so yeah personally it's been really good but also getting that feedback from others mm. has been great as well so
1: yeah yeah It feels now, you touched on it, Eva, it feels now more than ever before, it feels like it's normalised to talk about this stuff. You, programmes on telly, stuff you watch ever, magazines you pick up, trade press national press are all kind of talking about the issue in a more positive way it's not something we should be you know ashamed of have you sort of felt that change as well you know last three or four years in terms of it does feel a bit more open now than it has before we've got sort of language to use and it's a bit more accepted
2: i think it is more open i think it's really easy certainly for me to say i have struggled it's quite Mm -hmm. harder to say i'm struggling right now so i think it's it's being able to be in the moment to be able to sort of say that i think um uh, I think Matt Haig, the author's done quite a lot, particularly sort of socially in terms of just kind of bringing to, to the forefront kind of conversations. I mean, you have to follow him, obviously, to, <laughs> to, to be able to see that, but to actually talk about sort of um, depression and anxiety in the moment, of course, yeah. there's many other forms of, 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 of mental health struggles beyond those two things. Um, so I think we've come a long way. I think there's still a long way to go. I think... Um, uh, we are not yet um, an industry that goes. You know what? You you are physically ill and you need a day off. Yeah, yeah. You can be mentally ill and sometimes need a day off. We're not there. We're a long way away from that, yeah. um, and a long, long way away. From, I think from most uh, sort of senior leaders across the industry acknowledging the the need and requirement for that.
1: Yeah. And is and is it because you know if I've fallen over and I've cracked my collarbone, then I walk in and physically you can see I've got this thing. This thing. And someone's saying, Are you sure you need to be here? With your mental health, you more have to sort of self identify that it's not quite right, and maybe that's it.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's invisible sometimes, mm. and yeah, and also, I think we're living through the generation where the perception is changing, right. the conversa- conversation is starting, so it's a very new thing. So, I think, yes, in the last three years, the conversation has moved on a lot, and I've only been doing You know, speaking about this for the last three or four years, there's people that have been speaking about this a lot longer than me. So I know that the change is happening. But then actually, as you said, Eva, the actual work is still really hard to be vulnerable, to be honest, to to build that self-awareness and talk about where you're at. It's really difficult to do um and i think that's where we're at i think it's a new thing and, it, and it's always going to be
1: difficult yeah we, on on the last episode of the podcast we were talking about uh diversity inclusion and equality we were asking uh sarah and rack the guests we had you know their level of optimism on you know it, it, is it finally changing now i'd love to get your sense of are you sort of glass half full glass half empty <laughs> on is there enough stuff out there for people to do are they've got the right language they've got that they are able there's people they can go and talk to or is it as you say there is still this. Maybe a bit of an issue at senior leadership, and that's maybe where it's got to change from.
2: Um, I think. I think it entirely depends on um, the, the the industry and the agency. Um, coming at it from a from an agency perspective, I don't think it's great. I have to say, I think Havas uh, are doing a really really good job. So the lanyard on my pass is bright blue, which says I've been trained as a mental health. Champion, not first aid, champion. Right, okay. We've got some first aiders coming up later. Uh, in the podcast later yeah. <laughs> um, That's uh, really good. And the entire leadership team's been um, put through that training. And that right. came from the CEO, Matt Adams, wanting yeah. all of us to be able to recognise if someone might be struggling. Not that anyone, that you know, an, an accounting exec is going to come to the leadership team if they've got a problem, but more yeah. that we in theory a better trained to, yeah. to be able to kind of spot that. And very one.
1: visibly you're someone who someone could yeah. come and talk whether they know you or not I guess.
2: Yeah and then you know they. we, I mean, we have a culture of it at Havas which actually means that um, I think I've felt like I work in a safer space than I did before right. since joining. I can't claim um, that I've necessarily pioneered any of the stuff that they're doing mm. but it is a really nice culture. We have wellness Wednesdays, we have guided meditations on the awesome. hour every hour um, we have a programme of lots of interesting kind of speakers and events and That's things brilliant. like that. So I'm Havas, I think, is on the forefront there, but I have worked at a number of um, agencies and I don't think that's the case
1: everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Level of optimism out of 10, George? Hmm. Uh, I'm always optimistic.
3: I think my natural state is optimism. But I I do think, I think, like, I'll speak to my grandma about it. I always make this, Mm. um, because she's like, oh, you know, it's a good time to be doing this. It's on the news. It's... And I just think we've got a long, long way to go. I do feel like we're only just getting started with this. And I do think it's going to take a long time for everybody to really understand what this is and, yeah. and for the conversation to really change. But I'm optimistic because yeah. in the last few years, I've personally seen how, how fast... The conversation, even in my friendship and family group, has yeah. changed, which is great,
1: and at work. And what are those things that you feel have to change? Is it short-term initiatives, or is it a much longer-term idea of putting the right things in place, like mental mm. health first aiders, like senior people going through the type of training you was talking about? I
3: think those, yeah, where we spend all, almost all of our time is at work. So yeah. I think, yeah, though, putting those things in place and creating within that. Somebody said a great analogy to me the other day about you, can, you can't boil the sea. Um, I don't know if you heard this one, but it was about... Or eat the frog is the other one. I oh, don't know about the ocean, that one. Eat the frog. Hmm. But it's like it's impossible to boil the sea, so you have to kind of, you can boil the water in, in small mm. containers. And I think we spend a lot of time at work, so really changing the environment and the culture and the support um, structure and system within a business at work is a great place to start mm. because you can really change the perception in that in that bracket. Um, but I think on an individual level, culturally is where I see it and, and how you know vulnerability needs to be not cool but it just needs to be normal authenticity needs to become the norm and i do think on the ground that is really difficult yeah and we'll we'll just take bravery i think it takes a lot of people takes all of us a lot of different organizations but everybody to step into that and be brave
1: and and be honest and authentic and, and true to themselves but um, well, I think both of you have been incredibly brave in the way you come and talk about it today. And I, I hope people listening to it will kind of feel the same. I'd love to keep talking, but that's all we've got time for. I'm so sorry. But thank you very much. Thank you, Eva. Uh, thank you, George. Sure. Uh, If you want to talk to someone about your own mental health or that of a colleague, friend or someone close to you, you can get in touch with Mind, our own charity mental health partner, uh, or NABs, who exists to support everyone in advertising and media. You can talk to them directly and in confidence on their advice line by calling 0800 707 6607. Welcome to the part of the podcast we call Two Minutes On. And it's pretty literal we take a tricky or much misunderstood concept and find one very knowledgeable guest to explain it to us in only two minutes. And this week, we visit a variation on a classic. That's right, it's the turn of appads.txt. If you haven't heard of appads.txt, never fear, because here to elucidate this tricky sounding topic is John Hatfield, head of advertising product and technology at Spock. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. Uh, Well, you know how this works. It's two minutes on appads.txt starting now. So how is it different from normal ads.txt? So
4: I think um, maybe a good place to start is, is, yeah, what is ads.txt? And and that that will lead us into it quite neatly. Um, Ads.txt is is a way of preventing fraud in digital advertising. And to give a, a good example would probably be to take an analogy of, say, you want to buy some shoes online. And there's a specific brand that you're after, but you're aware that there's uh, there's some counterfeit versions of those shoes out mm. in the market. So how do you make sure you go to the right place to buy the brand shoes that you're looking for? Well, you might go to the brand website and they would have a list of, hey, these are all the places and retailers that you can buy our product from. So you as the user are happily trot along to those and, and buy your pair of branded shoes safe in the knowledge that they're what you're looking for. Ads.txt is the same thing, but for uh, digital media, and it means you can go to a, a media owner's site. They'll tell you these are the places that you can buy our our ads from our ad inventory, and that's where you go if you want to make sure that you're getting the the actual ads that you're looking for in the ad inventory that's certified. And then I guess how is uh, how is app ads.txt different? Well, in many ways, it's very similar. Um, the main <laughs> difference is uh, is that. Previously, ads.txt was hosted on a website, right. so this is where the buyer goes to check it. A lot of apps don't have websites. Mm-hmm. They might just be an app all of their own. So you needed to find a place where this information could be stored, and that's the main difference, is now this information for apps is stored within the data that is held in the app store. Ah, I see. So it's a common place where you can go to get the app, is the app store, and that's where this data is held.
1: So you'll literally see it in the in the description or the notes of the app.
4: Yeah, it's hidden slightly away. It's in what they call uh, metadata. Got it. So it's, it's slightly hidden away, but it's easily accessible for mm-hmm. all of the buying platforms to go and
1: get. Great. Uh, and, and how long have you been waiting for it? Because obviously, ads.txt has been around for some time. Great for web, but there's always this call to have something for, particularly if you don't have a website, as you say, like you know, publishers have got both. Uh, how long have you been waiting for it?
4: Yeah, it's been... So ads.txt has been around for at least two years, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's been probably about two years in yeah, all honesty yeah, yeah. and all credit though to the iob for um and tech lab for working yes. through this one i can imagine negotiating with both um the uh apple and uh, play stores is, <laughs> is a tricky task so i'm 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 uh, grateful that they've done that and that we now have a have a good solution here and app is you know a, app is a huge market i think um yeah. figures i looked at was like 194 billion downloads in 2018 And if we say, what, there's like 8 billion people there or thereabouts, that's like 25 apps per person in a year. Incredible. So, yeah, well worth the effort and uh, really, really glad that it's been done.
1: Amazing. Perfectly put, John. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. Remember, if wordy explanations and countless acronyms aren't making things any clearer, you can check out the Jargon Buster on our site. Just go to iabuk.com and tap the hamburger menu in the top right corner. Welcome to the section of the podcast we call Overheard at the IAB. It's the part of the podcast where we get the lowdown on everything happening within the four walls of the IAB. And this week, I am thrilled to be joined by our mental health first aiders, Steph Clark and Polly Raven. Welcome to you both. Hi, James. Um, Polly, so you've been away becoming a mental health first aider. What does that entail?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's a two-day training course that Steph, Ollie and myself did uh, and very much like physical first aid training, uh, this is mental health training uh, so that we're more better equipped to help a colleague that may be living long-term with or experiencing a mental health disorder. Mm. Um, so we mentioned earlier in the podcast that one in four people kind of go through a, a mental health uh, condition at some point in their life, but all of us have mental health. So mm. it was really important to us to be trained and have a bit of a better understanding of how we can help our colleagues.
1: Yeah, nice. And, and with any sort of course, Steph, you always come away with things you didn't know before. any um what did you learn from it?
5: Yeah, I think um, I think one of the main things to me, which kind of makes sense now I think about it, is the overuse or the normalization of words such as kind of crazy and mental and kind of some of the things we kind of say in everyday language. Um, Or even, you know, saying someone's depressed or, um, you know, they're defining them as their kind of disorder or yeah. defining them as something and that doesn't define who a person is you know they're suffering from depression or living with a with an eating disorder uh, mm. disorder for example um, so yeah just taking a step back and thinking about the language we're using yeah um, another thing was kind of um, one of the tips for well-being that came out of it um, which was kind of connecting with people um, kind of the importance and how, how much value um that, you know that adds to a person's kind of happiness um so with a lot of things like you know flexible policies people mm. are working from home more uh, kind of george mentioned earlier about you know startup cultures um yeah there's a lot a lot of pressure going on in those environments and yeah. just kind of making sure people are connected and happy and kind of feel really valued
1: yeah and it kind of makes sense when we talked mm. about diversity inclusion equality if you can get the diversity and inclusive bit right it's good for business mm. and i've no doubt it's probably better here as well if you can get people mentally well if your health is is really good that's surely better for business i would think
5: yeah exactly um yeah there's a huge kind of cost with presenteeism so kind of people coming to the office kind of feeling that they need to kind of be there mm. and be present at the desk but actually you know maybe they're not well enough to be there and maybe that's not really good for the business or that person yeah and kind of um yeah making sure the balance is right
1: yeah nice um, we should talk about ad spend Steph because it was yes. an absolute belter last week so we launched 2018 digital ad spend um and just by the stats alone they were phenomenal
5: Yes, um, Yeah, there was a lot of kind of predictions out there that are a bit lower, mm. but actually it grew a faster rate than last year. It was up 15% year on year, and we've had loads of really good PR from this. Mm. Um, the main kind of growth areas this year, it was to kind of in display, so it showed accelerated growth of 22%, which is huge. Um, and within that, the main kind of thing is um, with video, um, so most of the growth came from video. Um, and particularly outstream video, yeah. so kind of any video formats outside of kind of being shown before, during or after other video content. Um, and then particularly on smartphone as well. It's a huge story for smartphone. The year of mobile. It is Finally. officially the year of mobile. It's now over half of all that spent, <laughs> um, which is really good. Um, and we asked a lot of questions um, to some marketing, marketing decision makers as well. Um, and they were kind of saying the importance of online video assets and how they should be made kind of bespoke for the platform and device they're shown on. Amazing. So we're seeing a lot of people kind of uh, really valuing the consumer experience and getting that right.
1: It's phenomenal. And... Yeah, I've probably made a career out of talking about the year of mobile for years and suddenly <laughs> yeah. we don't say it and suddenly it is. So um, we weren't saying it, of course, but everyone was, yeah. which is fantastic. <clears throat> and not only was AdSpend last week, as we creep into this week poll, we are five weeks away from Engage. Yes. Uh, who are you looking forward to hearing from?
0: Uh, several people, but I think... The standout for me is Caroline Criado-Perez. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't know her, she's a British feminist and activist and she's actually written a book recently that's recently been released called Invisible Women. Yes. And in the book she gives a catalogue of the facts and figures that document persistent gender inequalities in society. So it's a suggestion that the systems we live in were built around men. So she gives loads of examples, but standout examples are um, that protective vests that the um, army and the police wear have actually been designed uh, with uh, male bodies in mind oh like so, so the stab vests yes yeah, right. so they don't actually fit a female form uh, as well uh, which leads uh, women to be more vulnerable in in those mm. roles Um, she also gives a lot of really interesting examples around the workplace so she notes that 53% of women are more stressed at work than men and that can be because of issues around there being an absence of workplace childcare facilities so I think Mm. she'll be absolutely fascinating I I agree she's Mm. she's
1: brilliant look at her on YouTube I mean she's incredibly opinionated and she's got a brilliant way about her Um, what about you Steph you're looking forward to Caroline as well
5: Yep, definitely. And also Claire Enders. Yes. I've heard her speak before. She's great. Um, yeah, I think we all get stuck in a little bubbles, and it, it, Enders is so good at kind of yes making us think about the bigger picture in a really kind of frank and unbiased way.
1: Yeah, and, and, and lest we forget, Claire Enders returns to the Engage Chase for the second year running. She's done the back to back. I don't know if anyone's ever done that.
5: No, I'm not sure.
1: Incredible. We'll have to go to the IAB the first, UK yeah. history books, <laughs> rifling through them now. Like she was that good. Susie Dent in Dictionary Corner, trying to find that. going um, to be brilliant. Oh, she's talking with uh, Karen Fraser from Kratos, and they're going to talk about AdPay 7, so this brilliant good news story for um, uh, ad tech in the UK. And we love a good news story anyway, don't we? Um, uh that's all we've got time for, I'm so sorry. But thank you for sharing what you've been up to on, uh, on Mental Health First Aid. Um, we are all looking forward to engaging, I'm sure you too are as well. So thank you, Steph. Thank you, Polly.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: If you're in the stark minority of people that haven't yet accessed and downloaded our 2018 ad spend report, we recommend you do so immediately, if for no other reason. It will make you sound a little bit cleverer in the next meeting you have. Access the full fat 100 slide deck all the bite-sized 10-pager with just the need-to-know stats at iabuk.com forward slash ad spend and while you're there it would be a bit of a schoolboy error if you didn't reserve your seat for engage just visit iabuk.com forward slash engage and don't forget members come for half price a saving of 445 british pounds no less and if you're an advertiser or agency member your tickets on the house and will cost you absolutely nothing we'll look forward to seeing you at the barbican on the 5th of june Now, how often would you say you see a McDonald's? On every street? In every city? In the odd car park where you least expect one? In every service station? Well, we can tell you that there are roughly 1,200 McDonald'ses in the UK. What we're saying is 1,200 is a pretty big number. And here at the IAB, we are home to more than 1,200 member organisations. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know the drill. Every episode, we choose one member organisation at random to pick someone take on our notorious quickfire questions. It's a whimsical and absolutely non-essential glimpse into the lives of our favourite industry figures. And this week, we received an invite from AppNexus to get in touch with their chief market strategist for EMEA, Nigel Gilbert. Let's have a listen to what happened. So we're here, we're just off Oxford Street with the AppNexus HQ and we're with Nigel Gilbert. Thanks for joining us, Nigel. Pleasure, James. Nice to have you. Uh, this is very, very easy indeed. So it's 10 questions. You get precisely 60 seconds to answer all of them. Are you ready? Okay, we'll get, we go. Start the clock. How much cryptocurrency do you own? I own no cryptocurrency at all. What's the most useless piece of technology you wish you'd never bought? I bought a mini disc player for my car in the early 2000s. No use for that at all. Uh, who's your industry hero? It changes over time. I would have to say currently today... Damon Reeve Very nice. Uh, what's your Uber rating? I haven't checked, although I'd imagine it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good passenger. What job would you be doing if you didn't work in digital advertising? That's a good question. I grew up in pubs when I was up to the age of about 11 or 12, so there's a fair old chance I could be running one of those. Tell me something about yourself that we wouldn't find on your Wikipedia page. Something about myself that's not on my Wikipedia page. I won third place in a picture of health at Butlins in 1985. (laughs) That's Regis. Uh, The most obscure piece of feedback you've ever been given? Possibly that. Yeah, it could be, probably <laughs> was actually. <laughs> you should see the photo. There, there is, there's photographic evidence of this. Um, I can't think of anything in particular. I've been removed from meetings politely um, by folks saying, um, I'm worried that you might talk too much. <laughs> Let's go with that. Favourite Nigel, Winterburn or Farage? Simple. I'm, I'm a gooner, so it's Winterburn all day. A mustard-like powder with a warm bitter taste most commonly used in South Asian and Middle Eastern cooking, turmeric or turmeric. I've always said turmeric, mm, I think it's the right way. Uh, and finally, what's the weirdest pronunciation of zander you've ever heard? So that's easy. There's a few to choose from, but my favourite is... X and R. <laughs> uh, um, Nigel, that's your 10 quick fire questions. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the IAB UK podcast. A big thanks once again to our sponsor, Verizon Media. And a big thanks to you for listening. If you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear from you. For example, why not subscribe and give us a five-star rating? Or to express any other feedback, suggestions, general musings, Or perhaps any poetry you'd like to get out of your system, you can always get in touch with us by emailing podcast at iabuk.com. As ever, tune in again in two weeks' time for episode seven. And if you want more information on what the IAB does, or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.